Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today is part two of our Palm Sunday message in the book of Matthew, chapter 21. Here's Pastor Ryan. Have we given our lives to Jesus Christ? Is not all that we possess, all that we are, belongs to him? Did he not purchase us with the price, the price of his blood? Oh, I'm so convinced by the owners of the donkey and the colt that I need to be more willing to surrender all. We think about the first moment we gave our life to Jesus Christ. We'll give you everything. Just forgive me of this wickedness, of this sin, of what I've done. Forgive me. We, we, we remember that moment. But, but we can get so complacent in our, in our love for the Lord that he's still seeking us to give ourselves as a living sacrifice to him. Give our lives, get our, give our time, our energy, our resources, whatever you want, Lord. Just say the word and it's yours. You're the Messiah. You have the right as the Messiah to make requests in my life as you please. And there are some folks today that they're just so standoffish at the request that the Lord through the Holy Spirit is speaking to their heart. It's time to give yourself more. It's time to be more dedicated. It's time to be more committed. It's time to be loose with the things that you hold so dear, the possessions and everything. And, and you know, let, just let God sanctify it all for the Lord. Use everything that you have for the Lord. It's His. Lord, may we have that heart. All you have to do is say, I have use of it. And we're willing to let it go. We can be so tight with our possessions and our life. Do our lives still belong to us? Or can we say like Paul the Apostle said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, Paul is saying, I, I no longer live. I live for Jesus now because he gave his life for me. That's Christianity. That's healthy. Not one foot in, one foot out. God, I want to spit that out, God says in Revelation. That lukewarmness, hot or cold, just, you're going to be cold, go be cold. If you're going to be hot, be hot for the Lord then. He doesn't like lukewarm Christianity, and neither do you and I like it, or nor do we like lukewarm coffee. We need to be legit for the Lord. That's when we see God move. That's when doors open. That's when the Holy Spirit empowers there's no way the Holy Spirit's going to empower lukewarmness, half-steppingness. He's just not. I'm sorry. I've tried it. Trust you, it doesn't work. It isn't until we give him our all that we see the Holy Spirit really move in our lives. We have to be willing sacrifices. It is what we're called to be, to do. The Lord has need of them. And in verse 4, Matthew says, All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. The prophet Zechariah. Guys, five to six hundred years prior to this, 
It was prophesied that the Messiah would come in riding in on a colt, on a donkey. It says, tell, and, and it was written down back then. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Full? Is that how you say it? Full. You know what a full means? <laughs> That's what I meant to say. Full. It means like to shoot out. It means like offspring, like the offspring of, of a donkey is a colt, a young donkey. But it was prophesied that he would ride in lowly on, the, on a donkey. And a, and a colt is a symbol of, of peace. Jesus Christ, his substitutionary death brings peace between sinful man and a holy God. He makes peace. He bridges that, guys. He connects us. He forgives the sinner and connects us to a holy God, restoring, restoring our relationship with God as Adam had a relationship with God in the garden. Now, our eyes can be spiritually opened through Christ. You who are dead in your trespasses, he has made you alive spiritually. That's why in John 3, 3, he said, one must be born again to inherit the kingdom of God. We need to be born of spirit because all of us were born in our trespasses, spiritually dead. And only Christ can awaken us spiritually. But this was prophesied again and Matthew was great in his, in his gospel about the efficiency, the rightness of the word of God, always quoting the Old Testament, always quoting scripture. And we believe in Jesus Christ and we believe in his word because this Bible is inerrant, because this Bible and its prophecies have come true and are, and are coming true even as we live today. This is like no other book. Trust you me, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witness, you name them. The Muslims, none of them have a book like this where the prophecies have come true. The Jehovah's Witnesses will tell you about prophecies that have not come true, that were false prophecies that didn't come true. And so this book, its prophecies fulfilled are more reason to why we believe it. Tell, the prophecy said, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey. Go tell the daughter of Zion. That's a poetic language to speak of the most weakest in society. Right? If, if the Bible says that in a marriage, as we were speaking of a marriage today, that the Bible says that Christ is the head of man and man is the head of woman. And within the marriage covenant, the wife is called the weaker vessel in scripture. So in our society, if the, if the woman is the weaker vessel, then what makes our daughters but weakest in our society? Little girls are the weakest in our society. We love them to death, don't we? We love them to death. But the prophet is saying tell the daughter of Zion tell tell those who are weakest in society behold your king is coming to you Jesus came to save sinners 
He did not come to save the righteous. He said it's those who are sick that are in need of a physician. He said, I have come to call sinners to repentance. Paul the Apostle said, Jesus Christ came to save sinners in whom I am chief. Jesus Christ came to save those who understand that they desperately need a savior from themselves. In God's eyes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who recognize, I can't do life on my own. I can't go on living this way. This world is empty. I've tried it all. Nothing in this world satisfies. I'm empty. Good, good. God would say to that person, your king is coming lowly on a donkey. The answer to your greatest need is coming. Jesus Christ, sitting lowly on a donkey, tell the weakest in society there's hope and he's riding in on a donkey there is hope but the prideful those who think Jesus is a joke those who feel they can do life without submitting to the son of God condemnation rests on those folks and knowing the terror of the Lord we persuade men Wrath is coming. And if you would humble yourself and hear his voice this morning, he says to you, I'm coming. I'm coming. Give him your heart. Give him your life. Don't let pride, don't be puffed up with pride thinking you got this, you got time. You'll live forever. That's not the case. We've seen the young and the old perish. We don't know whether we'll be here tomorrow or not. Today's a day of salvation. Blessed are the poor in spirit, though. But the pride he knows from afar. God, resist the humble. Youngsters, give your life to Jesus Christ. Old folks, give your life to Jesus Christ. Midlifers, give your life to Jesus Christ. For behold, your king is coming to you. If we humble ourselves, he will raise us up. He will forgive us. Lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt and, a, and the, the foal of a donkey. He is just and having salvation. We serve a just and humble king. You know that kings normally didn't ride in to cities that they are conquering on donkeys. They, they would ride in on like white stallions with a conquering army behind them. But our king is humble and lowly, and he came that way. He came that way to save us. And to think that our king, in, in such a lowly picture, riding in on a donkey. And donkeys ride funny. They're not like horses where you got that cool stride. It's like a more of a, <laughs> a bouncy but to think that the one riding that colt has our lives in his very breath and word. He has our life in his hands. Power on such a lowly animal that had never written, been written on before. Which, you know, 
I don't. I, I'm from the city, so I don't know about too much about donkeys. But I'm pretty sure they need to be broken in as well, right? Does anybody know about donkeys here? Do they need to be broken in, Helen? Yeah, they do. Yeah, not this one. See, Jesus wasn't being kicked off this donkey because he's sovereign God, and that donkey recognize better recognize who's riding him. Her. He's sovereign over it, creation. He gives the ocean its limits. He made the mountains, the deserts, the sky, the sun, the moon. All of them are on check by him who loves you. So why fret? Why worry? Why, why, why be riddled with fear? But he was humble. And God loves humility. God resists the proud. A proud person is one who is independent of God. Guys, listen to me. A proud person is one who is independent of God. Like I, just living for oneself. To be humble is to be fully submitted to God. I don't, live for, I, I don't live independent of God. I live through God. I, I'm dependent on God, not independent. Philippians 2, Paul would write in verse 5, Let this mind be in you which, all, which was also in Christ who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And so the disciples, they went and did as Jesus commanded them. Verse 6. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches. John's gospel tells us that it was palm branches, some of them, from the trees. And they spread them on the road. Then the multitude who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We see a lot of honor and respect being paid to the Lord as he's going into Jerusalem. The disciples, the people, they took off their own clothes, their cloaks and stuff, and put them on the, the donkey so that he can ride comfortably. The people put the clothes on the floor to kind of pave the way on the road for him to go on. They put palm branches down on the road to just make the road smoother for his ride, which really was the custom in that time for kings. When kings would enter into a, a city they had conquered, they would make sure that the roads were, were smooth for the king to arrive comfortably, for the chariots to not have a bumpy ride going into the city. So we see this great honor and this great respect from the multitudes that they are they are giving to the Lord. I believe that as Christians, we have the opportunity to praise the Lord and show Him similar respect. You know, when we come into His house, do we give Him the praise due to Him? Do we worship Him? Do we sing? Or do we use all the excuses of shyness or I don't have a good voice? You know, guys, he is worthy of our praise. He, he is worthy of us lauding him and singing to him. 
But that comes from love. If we love him, shouldn't we be praising him? If he came through the door, shouldn't we get our coats and throw them on the floor so he can walk over them out of a show of respect? I mean, what would you do? I'd, you know, fall on my knees. Fall on our knees. We stood for the bride last night, but we bowed before our Lord. And these folks, they have a passion for Jesus here, and they may or may not understand the significance of that day. They may, it says that the disciples did not know that he was fulfilling Zechariah's prophecy on riding in on a, on a colt. They didn't understand then, they understood later. So the understanding of the people isn't that great, but yet they're giving him, calling him the son of David. They're quoting Psalm 118, son of David. Like in their minds, they're giving him at least the respect that he is the Messiah. This is the savior of Israel. Their understanding wasn't complete or perfect. Many of them wanted salvation from the Roman Empire. They thought Jesus would come in. All right, he's going to come in, establish, he's going to kick the Romans out, establish the kingdom of Israel. Many thought that, that that was the day. Their understanding wasn't what your understanding is. Your understanding, my understanding, is that no, he's writing in to die for our sins. That's, that's what he came for. That's the most important thing. Not land. Not kingdoms, not nations. He came to die for, for my heart, for our sins. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. That's why he came. Oh, nations? Oh, kingdom? Oh, he is going to come back on a white horse to demolish the prideful, non-believing, Christ-rejecting world that we're in. But at this time, no, no, no. They, their understanding ain't all that. But yet, they're praising him. They're giving him respect. Think about that when we come in here. You guys are great worshipers. And I'm, I'm probably talking to those watching on YouTube or whatever. You guys, it sounds amazing here. And let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. Let's be excited and enthusiastic about our king. This is, his, this is the week where he changed the world and changed, and we remember how he changed our lives. So let's be enthusiastic about it. Tell somebody that we've been saved. Tell somebody we were blind, but now we see. I was lost, but now I see what's important in this world. And what's important is that one believes in Jesus Christ. Excitement, multitudes, branches and stuff. It's like, man, that's a lot. You know who prepared the way for Jesus to come when he came? John the Baptist. Remember that? Remember John the Baptist? Isaiah, again, five to six hundred years prior, Isaiah prophesied that John the Baptist would prepare the way for Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, Isaiah said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So John the Baptist, right, as the people are making straight the way for Jesus with the donkey and the disciples to get to Jerusalem, they're paving that road, they're preparing that road because the king is going into Jerusalem. You and I too, like John the Baptist, prepared the way for Jesus to come by preaching repentance to the people at the Jordan River, remember? He preached to them, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He just got on everybody. He's coming, he's coming. One's coming, I'm not worthy to loosen even his sandal straps. There it is, again. 
He prepared the way by telling people the truth. So here we are today. Don't we have a job to prepare the way for God's rapture to come for the church when he pulls us home before his wrath hits the planet earth? Don't we have a responsibility to prepare the way because Jesus is rapture, the rapture of the church is coming? Then his second coming will come. We'll come back with him. Shouldn't we prepare people for that? Shouldn't we prepare them? Shouldn't God use us to soften people's hearts, to spread the word, the gospel, to plant the seed, to water, to sow and to reap? Shouldn't we? Yes. That's why we're here. That's the only reason I believe we're alive. When Miho and Miha ask you, you know, why am I here? You're here to worship the Lord and to share the gospel. That's all. To love and, and to love. That's it. Love God, love others. That's why you're here. That's why we're here. You know, there's like a ton of books about purpose this and purpose that in Christian bookstores. This. Our purpose is to love God. Our purpose is to prepare the way because he's coming. And he said, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're here. So what happens if we choose not to do that? I mean, then, I mean, you know what I mean? Lord, the God is our purpose. He needs to be. And some need to repent and like make him that again. And prepare the way for people because he's coming. Hosanna, the word in Hebrew, it means to save now. And the people were saying, save now, son of David. Save now. And that's the cry of many people today. They want Jesus Christ to save them from their earthly circumstances. And, and, and they're interested in a God who can fix their earthly circumstances. Fix my finances. Fix my relationships. Oh, please make her love me. Make him love me. Oh, please. You know, that's what so many seek God for. For someone to just fix their problems. Now, Jesus Christ cares about our problems. He surely cares that Israel was oppressed by the Roman Empire. Sure, he cares. But what's most important, why he came, is to save us from our sins. That is our greatest need. That is the greatest problem in humanity. That is why this world is so messed up. Amen? So it is sins is why he came to save. Is why he rode in on a donkey. And then, as we acknowledge we're sinners, and that, yes, God, that's what we need. We need you. I need to be forgiven. I'm a sinner. I need to follow you. Once that's taken care of, then we, we cast our cares upon him. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it stinks that we're under the Roman uh, Empire. It stinks, you know, help, you know. And then God helps us in all of our trials to get through those trials. But did he come specifically for those trials? No. He came for the trial of our heart. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? I like that. So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Who is this? Everybody was in awe of just the spectacle of what was going on. You had the religious rulers. They wanted him dead even before this. They are already have been conspiring to kill Jesus. 
They have been conspiring to kill his followers. They have been conspiring to kill Lazarus, who he raised from the dead. After Lazarus was dead for four days, guys. And the Bible tells us that even amongst the religious Jews, they were turning away from their Judaism and going into faith into Jesus Christ, which upset the rulers like no other. They wanted to kill Jesus and they wanted to kill Lazarus. So his triumphal entry, uh, just to bring to remembrance one of the biggest controversies was the fact that he raised Lazarus from the dead that was that was and this is the one coming is that the one who raised him from the dead thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio if you're in the area come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. we are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills.